Well, a Thurston County football star has been missing for more than a year. Detectives are continuing to search for Investigators him. found the young man's car with his wallet and his cell phone inside. We're not certain that he's dead. We're not certain he's alive. It's what keeps me up at night. Totally out of character for him. Shinobi's family won't give up looking until they get answers. Just desperate to know he's okay. From Sasquatch Productions, this is Hide and Seek. The Investigation of Logan Schindelman. I'm your host, James Basinger. Hey guys, welcome to the last episode of Season 2 of Hide and Seek. Before diving into this episode, I want to stop and say thank you to all of you who have supported the podcast and my efforts when trying to find out what happened to Logan. This season has been a tough one for me, primarily because I feel like we're so close to the truth. My hands feel tied. There's nothing else I can do. And I'm angry. I'm angry because we've gotten so close to finding out what happened to Logan and the roadblock that we're dealing with is because someone doesn't want to talk. I could not imagine if this was my son, my brother, my friend that went missing. I would do anything I could to help. I'd be shouting from the rooftops to bring as much awareness and attention to his case, regardless of the cost. But that's me. And I feel like that's most of you. Throughout the season, I have been paying attention to the social media pages, especially the podcast discussion board. I read the comments. You guys have no idea how much they mean to me, how helpful you guys are. You guys sometimes give me a perspective or an opinion on something I haven't considered. But most of all, your encouragement. When investigating a case such as Logan's, you're going to go down multiple rabbit holes and you will feel discouraged. Just when you think that you're onto something, The shoe drops and you come to another dead end. So when I'm reading your guys' comments and positive feedback, it helps. So again, thank you. As for future projects, I'll be looking at taking on another case for Season 3 of Hide and Seek. So if you know of anyone that you feel would be a good case for me to investigate, please send it my way. You can message me on Facebook or Instagram at the Hide and Seek page. Lastly, with doors now starting to open back up, I'm considering on doing a behind-the-scenes show. If that's something that you'd be interested in, let me know on the Facebook Hide and Seek page. The event would take place somewhere near the Lacey or Tumwater area. Now, let's pick up where we left off in the last episode. It wasn't that long ago that Logan's Aunt Mary had contacted me about new information she had just received. The new information came from a male who had worked on Logan's car not long after he went missing. This male works for an auto mechanic shop. What I was told, Chloe brought Logan's car in quite frequently shortly after he went missing to get it repaired. Apparently, it was odd to this mail because Chloe would bring the vehicle back not long after it had just been serviced. So I reached out to this individual. He wishes to remain anonymous. We were talking right now before we got on record that you had known Chloe because you worked at a tire shop. And you had only, you'd never had known or met Logan before, but you had had some sort of, I guess, acquaintance with Chloe because she was a regular that came into the tire shop. Correct. And you had said, you were kind of talking about how you got, you, I mean, you had knowing Chloe that she would come into the tire shop that you never kind of put two and two together until recently your girlfriend had mentioned listening to the podcast and then you know, explain how it was bizarre that this investigation was, you know, close to you guys. And then she had shown you a picture of Chloe 
and that's when you had realized that this is the car that I was working on, which was Logan's car. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, when I talked to Mary, uh, she wanted to make sure that we were talking about the same car, and she wanted me to describe it, and I was like, well, I don't want to be impolite, but, I mean, the thing was a, well, a piece of shit. I mean, the convertible top was all torn up, duct tape all around it, like as soon as you get into it and you pull it into the shop you just want to get out of the thing because it leaks rainwater so bad it smells like mildew marijuana uh yeah just not good anyway by the time you know i got through telling her you know there were rips in the convertible top duct tape to kind of hold the thing together i was leaking rainwater so bad i remember there being tears in the in the pat or driver's seat with duct tape on that and i just remember that this thing you know it needed a lot of work I mean, it, the reason why I remember the car so distinctively is just because of how bad a shape it was in. And I remember bringing it in the shop all the time when we were closing down to keep it inside because we didn't want to keep it outside, you know, worrying about somebody stealing it or it just leaking rainwater in general. And when so you, I when, guess when you mentioned it coming into the shop and you bringing it in. Do you remember what time of the year that was? Uh, it would have been springtime, I guess. It was close to around the time in 2017 when you first started that you had initially started working on her car because you, you said she became a regular. So I imagine it was more than one or two times that you started working on the vehicle. But it's, it's been said that his car would overheat. I've heard, yeah, that was the case. And then I've also heard, no, that wasn't the case. And that could explain why his car was found on the side of I-5 if it wasn't. Right, because it overheated. This has always been a question of mine. Was that true? Did Logan's car overheat? Because if it did, maybe I've been looking at the days all wrong. Because remember the witness who had called in to report that she had saw Logan's car sitting on the shoulder on May 19th on her way to work? I would commute from Tumwater to Longview every day for work. And so on my commute, obviously, I had southbound, uh, you know, on past the Maytown area. So on my way to work that particular day, I would say I was um, noticing just a, you know, black car sitting off onto the median side, the west side of the freeway heading southbound. And um, just noticed a parked car there, no people around it at that point, but it was a black Chevy Sebring, or I mean, sorry, Chrysler Sebring. It was just sitting there on the side of the road, you know, empty, dead, nothing going on around it. And so broke down vehicle, you know, that's about it. And then um, that was on my way to work, and that was um, seven-something in the morning, late. As we digest through this, remember, Jenny had the conversation about the epiphany with Logan on Wednesday morning, which was the last time that she had saw Logan. If Logan's car did overheat and it's on the right shoulder of I-5, and the witness says it was at 7.30 in the morning, did something happen to him on Wednesday night? I can see that Logan connects to his Wi-Fi at 9.25 p.m. on Wednesday. It shows him connecting again at 3.16 a.m. early Thursday morning. So if that is his car, how did he get home? Something that's odd about the case file report is that it states the last time Logan was seen was Thursday morning. Since the Epiphany conversation was the last time Jenny had saw Logan, then who's claiming to have seen him on Thursday morning? And I'd like to add... The last outgoing message Logan sent to someone was to Carolina on Wednesday at 5.46 p.m. I've asked Jenny why the case file states that he was last seen Thursday morning, but she doesn't know why. I also asked, when she went to work Thursday morning, did she see Logan's car parked in the driveway? She doesn't recall. And then on my way home that day, which, 
it was not dark out. Everything was still light. There wasn't a whole lot of traffic heading northbound coming through that area. And you know how you, I'm not sure, yeah, dip way down and then you starting to head back up where the, the off-ramp is heading northbound. Um, noticed, obviously, the car's still there, but this time three gentlemen standing around the car, the hood's up. Suspected victim in this matter um, was standing at the back of the vehicle in the trunk area. And then the one white male was up front uh, by the engine, and another white male was working from the engine and walking around the car. And at the end of the workday, what time would you typically pass this section, or do you remember passing this? Well, I, you know, normally I would be coming through there around 6-ish, but that particular day, and I can't remember from my report, but that particular day, I want to say I was heading home earlier than normal because it was still light out. When you think back about that specific day, is there anything that sticks out to you that you know that it was the 19th versus it being maybe Friday or, or Wednesday? I mean, is there something that sticks out and why you can remember it was the night? Because I think from what I understand, you didn't report this until maybe like about a year later. Right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. Is there anything that stuck out to you for you to feel like the nineteenth was the day that you saw this vehicle on the side of the road? Um, only because that is um, one of my stepchildren's birthdays, and so I likely was coming home early to do something for their birthday that day. Let's say it is Logan's vehicle, and the males working on the Chrysler Sebring get it to run. Is this now when the second witness spots a white male driving Logan's vehicle? I saw somebody driving Logan's car getting onto I-5 southbound on-ramp. That was back in May of 2016. I kind of didn't say anything at first, and then um, because I wasn't really sure, I saw it was it wasn't Logan driving. It was a white guy, and I didn't really think anything about it. But I believe I saw it on the 19th. Okay. And I'm not sure about that. That's the problem. I'm. I'm the only reason I said the 19th is because after. I kind of looked into it. I checked, because um, I normally take Tomart or Boulevard to go home from work at L&I. And so I checked my bank statements to see if I went home or if I had gone to Walmart that day. Mm-hmm. Because if I had gone to Walmart, then I was thinking that I probably would have taken Israel Road. But I did not go to Walmart on the 19th. So I was, I'm was i just guessing because I wasn't sure exactly if it was the 19th or the 20th that I saw the car. Let's circle back to the conversation with the mechanic. When she brought it into the shop, do you recall it just being Chloe who brought it in when she first came in? Or was she with someone else? Uh, she was with Jenny, I believe, the first time. And do you remember what you guys did with it? Gosh, I just, I feel like, you know, I'll have to get records, but uh, I feel like what we did initially was basically do like a an oil change, kind of like a run over on the vehicle, because mm-hmm. that, that's a full service shop there. So, I mean, I think I remember putting tires on it. And when I was perform, performing the, uh, the oil change, you know, I'm, I'm not a certified tech. And I just remember my manager saying, look, my guy who's not certified in automotive is finding all these problems with the car. You know, it hasn't even gotten to, to out back where the ASE certified technicians are at, you know, and there's already, you know, a laundry list of what's going on with this car. Like, I don't really think it's really worth putting all this money into it. Her basically just limping it back and forth, you know, A to B to wherever she was going 
and then bringing it back in whenever something else screwed up. And then it got to the point where she was just driving her, I believe it was her grandma Jenny's car, the little Hyundai Elantra or silver four-door of some sort. Okay. And the reason why I just, I really felt like I should say something is just because I, there's just, honestly, there's just something off about her. You know, I don't have any proof that she was involved. You know, it's just like, there's just something deep down in my bones that says that. Even when, you know, you see the witnesses that witnessed the Sebring with the uh, the pink seat covers, that gave me chills because all I could think of was that is Chloe's style. Absolutely, 100%. Like, she, she always wanted to bedazzle her car. I mean, in that Hyundai Elantra that she was borrowing from her grandma, she had to put a pink poof ball on the shifter and just things like that. I mean, I remember there being some type of pink poof ball on the keychain. It was just like it just gave me chills thinking that like that is her style. Like it's just kind of it's just weird. You know, I I remember the Hyundai accent being or Elantra, whatever it was, being towed in because her tires got slashed. Uh, there was another time when, you know, she popped her tire and we didn't have the tire in stock. So we had to put the donut on and we were going through the back and we ended up putting the donut tire on there. Well, we found drug paraphernalia and I'm not talking about like smoking weed. There's a pipe in there that, I mean, you look at it and you just, even if you don't smoke weed, you know that it's just, it, you don't use that for smoking weed. So where, where was this it was, like in the, in the Hyundai Elantra was it like in the trunk or was it in the, yeah, it was in the trunk, just kind of loosely placed off to the side. It was long, skinny, clear pipe. There was a laundry list of repairs and then you guys do some of the repairs. They get by with it for a short period of time and then they come back in to ask you to fix some other things or. Yes. I remember it. There was a few times where the car would be fixed. It'd be paid picked up and the very next day it would come back or there were times where it would get fixed paid wouldn't come back for two weeks or a month you know it wasn't it wasn't necessarily consistent but i i can say that the shortest intervals were within a day do you guys do any kind of like detailing on the interior no and mary asked me that too um you know the the most that we've ever really done you yeah, know if, yeah. if a car came in and it got a, a huge repair in the bill, you know, was well over two grand or two, three grand, something like that. Then we would wash the car or we might like wipe down the dash or something like that, but nothing like never touched that car as far as detailing or cleaning it. About a day later, I got my hands on the service history on Logan's car with this mechanic shop. I don't want to risk or jeopardize the investigation by providing the details of what was done to the vehicle but I can say I understand where this guy's coming from. The vehicle had a lot of updates and repairs done to it. But I will say, within two months of Logan's disappearance, there were 15 items updated or repaired to Logan's vehicle. Something else I found interesting was the amount of mileage driven on Logan's car between April 29th, 2016 and July 14th, 2016. On April 29th, a little less than a month before Logan went missing, he took his vehicle into the shop to get service for a keyless entry fob transmitter. His miles at that point were 136,526. On July 14, 2016, the miles showed 138,551. That means that Logan's vehicle traveled more than 2,000 miles less than a month. 
And I can tell you, that's not normal for him. So where do we go from here? I'm going to hand over the service history report of the Chrysler Sebring to Detective Frawley. Now, as many of you know, Logan's been missing now for five years, which opens the door for us to recategorize his case as a nobody homicide. I talked to Detective Frawley about this. Because he was missing and no crime had been committed or that we know of, or he's the victim of any crime, you know, we'll take some latent prints and all that. But as far as DNA and all that goes, that's done by the crime lab and we have to articulate a crime, which we didn't have. We don't have one to this day. We have speculation, but we don't have a crime to this day. He's missing. Is that going to be kind of the five-year mark, kind of like with... I hate to refer back to constantly, but with Nancy's, after it was five years of no bank activity, no nothing, then that's when Elkins was able to to now claim that you know change the title of the case to a, a nobody homicide. Is is that something that we're looking with Logan's case? Well, <laughs> uh, it, I, I've thought about that, uh-huh. but I haven't gone there yet. And and and. and and I hate to get off tangent, but I mean, I have to kind of tell you how my brain works. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. So it was about three years ago. I got a call out of the blue from a, a detective in the state of Texas. Um, and, and I, it's my home state and I love my home state. But anyway, I'm talking to this detective and he's like, Hey dude, I got this missing person case. The guy had been missing for a couple of years and I got his wife in here and she's worried about him and thinking that he's out there in your area right there. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well, that's kind of weird. He said, well, you, can you do me a solid man and go check? And I'm like, sure, I'll check. You know, and I think I checked the next day. He gives me this address. And I don't know if you're familiar with Thurston County or how familiar you are with Thurston County, but we have a community in Thurston County called Clearwood. Mm-hmm. And it's down in the southeast part of the county. And on the south side of Clear Lake, in this little A-frame, I find this guy, and he looks like a little grizzly Adams, got a beard, living in a little A-frame. And he, he's a computer or something or other. And I go up there and I identify myself. And I'm like, hey, dude, um, we got this lady, you know, saying, you know. And a guy just comes unglued. And he starts MFing. Do I fucking look missing to you? And I'm just like, whoa, dude. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. And he's like, that bitch has been stalking me. I've been trying to get away from her. He said, look at where I live. Look at what I'm doing. Are you freaking kidding me? You found me. And I'm like. I'm like, hey, it's cool. He's like, no, you found me. She's going to be here, man. I got to go. You're freaking here. She's going to be and I got to go. I'm like, holy shit. So I called back the detective back in, in, in um, Texas. I'm like, hey, dude. Um, I gave him the story. And he's like, what? I'm like, hey, he's fine, man. I mean, he's a computer programmer. Um, he's living at the south end of a lake in his little A-frame. But it looks like a freaking grizzly Adams, man. And I said, to him, and I said, he's not missing. Well, anyway, then the lady comes back and the detectives are now different with her. And she, what I call flipping the bitch switch, just goes off. You're going to tell me right now what's going on? <clears throat> I demand you tell me what's going on with my husband and just freaking scrolls nuts. And so because that's happened, and it's happened to me, um, and knowing some of the dynamics that Logan was going through, the, the fact that he could easily be, be out there and just be wants to be held, left alone is why I, I you know, I hesitate making it a bodily homicide because, you know, what if he is out there? And one of the things that I try to tell everybody on all the shows that I did was, and they never did it for me, but and I'll even ask you again, is if you're out there, call me. Let me know you're okay, and I will close this case. I will honor you, your, you know, your wishes, and tell the family to leave you alone. 
you know, um, because I know that's happened before and, and, and I experienced it firsthand, you know, having known that, you know, it's kind of like, I think Nancy's was a little bit different. I think they had some different ideas or, or different theories as to why she was probably not here or dead. Um, with Logan, you know, I don't know. You got to look at the dynamics. I'll tell you, I am 50, 50 and I can't go one way or the other. And, and that's what keeps me up at night because I keep thinking, am I missing something to push it one way or the other? And I get tips that he's dead and I go check him. Nothing comes out of it. And I get tips. He's alive. I go check it. Nothing comes out of it. Um, you know, we've done additional dog searches based on, on tips that we got, you know, um, now, again, with the theory, if he's gay, you know, they're not going to be down with that. I'm going to go do my own thing. I want to be black. Nobody's going to understand. I'm going to go do my own thing, you know, or just I'm tired of everybody because there was there was some tension in the family, you know, between Jeannie and Hannah and, and Mary and, and Jeannie. And, and, you know, and I just want to get away from it all. In my opinion, I feel like we should recategorize Logan's case as a nobody homicide. I understand that Detective Frawley had this negative experience. But I don't think Logan was financially in a position to make this type of change or move. And ask yourself, how far can Logan get without his ID? And why leave the cash in the car? And who's the white male that's helping him with this great escape? I feel we can check off the idea that Logan fled the country to go live with his dad. We discovered that Logan's Facebook check-in at the Olympia Regional Airport was an accident by Ginny. We still need to get our hands on Logan's AT&T phone records. If Thurston County Sheriff's Office is willing to reclassify Logan's case to a nobody homicide, that would open the door for us to DNA test items. Now, while I was down at CrimeCon in Austin, Texas, I met up with a guy by the name of David Middleman. David is the founder and CEO of Authorman Corporation, a biometrics company using DNA sequencing and genomics to advance human identification. David has already solved two cold cases because of his work. I'm in the early stages of scheduling a consultation with David. So worst case scenario, if Logan's case isn't reclassified as a nobody homicide, I'll be going to David to DNA test Logan's vehicle. Again, I don't feel that he chose to leave on his own accord. When I take on investigations such as Nancy's or Logan's, my ultimate goal is to figure out what happened and holding the one responsible accountable for their actions, bringing some sort of closure to the family who lost their loved one. If I'm not able to obtain that goal, the next best thing is for me to bring new light and information to the case that can help the detective. I truly feel like we've done that this season. Now, throughout the season, with every individual that knew Logan on a personal level, I've always asked him at the very end of our interview, let's say he is out there, and that he chose to leave, and that there was a chance that he was able to hear your recording, what would you say to him? As I close today's episode, you're going to hear just a few of the people who were willing to share their thoughts and feelings and the hopes that Logan could still be out there and what they have to say to him. I miss them. I really, really miss them. I want to know how he's just doing, you know, if I can, if he is alive and he's able to speak to us at any given time, I want to talk to him one-on-one and just want to find out what happened, you know, what he plans to do from then on in terms of uh, a friendship. 
it's still a shock to me I still think about him on a day-to-day basis you know he kind of just lingers in the back of my mind you know why did he go missing I think I mainly just call him that I missed him you know I still think about him to this day I've thought about that a lot I love you dude I miss you come home if you are out there, give us something, you know, so we know you're still alive, because not knowing is the worst. So at least if we have like, any idea where he is, or if he's okay, or if he's even just still out there and not okay, just still alive, just to know something would be awesome. I don't just talk to me, you know, talk to any of us. Let us know you're okay. We accept you regardless of what it is, that you are loved, that we're here for you. We want you to come back home. That's a hard one. I just want to know that his reason, and, I'm, and I know everybody else does too. You know, I'd like him to pop up out of nowhere, but it'd just be like, I just want to know where he is. I don't know. I, I just want him to come home. I hope it's for you. Well, I don't know. I hope he's just ran away and he's like, you know, in Oregon somewhere, like somewhere where it's like, he's just chilling, you know. I would tell him that. All I want, and the people that love him, we just want you safe. We want you happy. We want you to be able to live your life the way you want to live it, under your own terms. If you if you need to do it that way, it need to be away from everybody, go ahead and do that. And just know that you're, you're loved and that you're cared about. We just want you happy. But it would be really nice if you would let us know that you are okay, and that's it. That's all we want to know is that you're okay, and you can live your life the way you want, and you can contact people if you want, when you want. We miss you, we, we love you, and we want you well. I'd say that I love him, and if he wants to get a hold of me, he, I'd love to hear from him. If he wants to come home, he's always welcome, and if he's happy where he is, then I'm happy. I just want to, would like to hear from him. I, ca- I, ca- I cannot be sorry enough for what he has been through. It's, uh, you know, it's something that I caused him, you know, uh, I cannot be sorry enough. The words will not be enough. I don't have any words that are enough to, to explain. Hi, Logan. It's Aunt Mary, and I sure do miss you. I'm hoping that we find you and that you're living a great life. But if we don't, I just want to let you know you can contact us anytime. Please just let us know if you're okay. We miss you. And I actually, I really feel like I've let you down. And I want you to know that I tried as hard as I could to find you. I knew from day one that this was not going to be an easy task. You usually would never, ever be gone and not come home. But we're trying, and we'll continue to try. I miss you, I love you, and please, please give us a call.
You didn't think I was done, did you? If you think I'm going to walk away and stop investigating Logan's case, you're horribly wrong. To the person out there that's responsible for Logan's disappearance, hear this. Yes, I know you're listening. Once I take on a case, just because the season is over doesn't mean I end my investigation. I won't stop pushing for answers, knocking on doors, and following the leads. The number of people that care about Logan and want to see his case solved has grown exponentially, and we will continue to grow by the day. We will never stop looking for him. You're not perfect. You made a mistake somewhere, and we will find it. You can expect future bonus episodes to be released as new information is revealed. There is so much still to be done. You guys can count on me investigating Logan's disappearance until we bring him home. As his high school alma mater, the Thunderbirds, would say, Never give up. Never, never give up. <laughs>